He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis, Cats at Night, the number one show at 5 o'clock. And this is a TriCast broadcasting out of WABC Studios in Midtown. 770 on your dial, WABCradio.com. Also 970 AM, The Answer, and WLIR in Long Island. And and we have a full house today. We have uh, uh, Mr. Nelson Happy, former dean of the law school. Regent University. Regent University. And and we have Ed Cox, 10 years as, uh, uh, as GOP chairman of New York State. And the former second in law. <laughs> yeah. All right. Was married to Trisha right. Nixon and uh, Richard 50, Nixon's 50 years, governor. Yeah, 50 president, years. President Nixon's uh, grandson, uh, grand, grand in law, whatever. I mean, son in law. Sure. And Anthony Weiner, former congressman, thinking of maybe running for uh, for Congress again in, in the <laughs> district. Uh, and all his friends are trying to convince him he's got a big name recognition. And people, you know, he's still people. A lot of people still like him. If if by thinking about it, you mean you mentioning it on the most highly rated five o'clock show? Okay, that's not all the thinking that's going into this, but I appreciate it. Well, I know you the- never know. I mean, your your son, your son Jordan is sitting sitting next to you because uh, he's watching you, and he, I heard him say, "Daddy, <laughs> run for Congress." I, I would figure he'd want me to be in a more reputable business than Congress, but. Uh, oh. <laughs> Well, well I, I do blame – How do I know the congressman because I, I blame him for eight years of de Blasio. So it's all your fault that we have our city in the state that it's in. But I, we have a fantastic show regardless. We have uh, on the line with us, we'll have uh, former police commissioner Bill Bratton. We'll also be speaking with Congressman Lee Zeldin, Paul Lounces. So we'll be talking about the economy, Dr. Peter Mikolos. But again, right now on the line for us right now, we have Commissioner Bill Bratton who's – Going to talk to us about what happened in Texas. The Governor Abbott just said a short time ago that he, quote, was misled about the officer's response. Welcome to Cats at Night. Good to be with all of you this evening. Commissioner, uh, what was right or wrong about what happened? Because everybody's still trying to figure it out. Well, John, welcome to the club. I've been following it very closely, as you might imagine, and I still haven't figured an awful lot of it out that uh, this has been one of the most problematic weeks I've ever experienced in American policing in my 50 years. It's uh, the misinformation that's been put out by government officials in Texas is mind boggling. And it continues even today. Uh, And it's extraordinarily frustrating. I have great pride in my profession, my former profession, policing. But that pride was diminished somewhat this week with the mishandling uh, by uh, Texas authorities of the one of the most important parts of dealing with the crises is accurate information, preliminary information, certainly subject to change. But there's been so much misinformation that was put out as factual that the erosion of public trust, certainly in Texas and its police forces, uh, I've, I've never seen anything like it in all my years in policing. And it's uh, as a somebody who's proud of that profession. Uh, I, I, I have so much anger at the moment about this, how mishandled it's been, uh, let alone uh, compounding the grief of those families that lost those young children to uh, uh, be hearing that some of those lives might have been saved 
but a long decision was made by a uh, apparently a police chief of a six-person police force that was put in charge of the response to this horrendous incident. No, uh, uh, mind-boggling, frustrating, and uh, I think it's going to continue to be frustrating. Commissioner Bratton, we now know that he entered the shooter entered the school at 11:30 a.m. and he wasn't shot until 12:50 p.m. That that just to me sounds outrageous. Uh, many parents had gathered outside. Some were so distraught they had to be handcuffed and tased. One mother even managed to escape the handcuffs, jump over the fence, and go and save her children from the school. I mean, this this can't be protocol, is it? Shouldn't they have just uh, gone after this guy? He was loitering around in front of the school with his with his rifle for twelve minutes, and then he goes in. I mean, it's just very disturbing. All of these new details that are coming out. Well, despite all the new details coming out, we're still very much in a speculative uh, stage of this investigation. Because even as they're putting it out, uh, they're correcting it almost as fast as they're putting it out. I'm still not uh, sure of the scenario of events, even as they've laid it out today, because they seem to conflict with other information we're receiving. Even as they were not entering those classrooms on one end of the school, we now understand that there may have been an off-duty uh, border Patrol agent who was sitting in a barbershop and his wife calls him from the school. She's a teacher. She's there with her daughter in the classroom. He grabs a shotgun from the barber, rushes to the school, goes in through the back of the school with two officers, and rescues a classroom of children, his wife and his daughter, even as in another part of the school is 19 police officers. 19 is the number they gave out today. In the hallways outside the classroom where the shooter is now holed up. And uh, the fact that a chief of police in a six-person department apparently opted not to break into that classroom may have resulted in the deaths of more of these young people who were effectively wounded and potentially expressing an awful expression, but bleeding out, dying literally, while they were standing up. Horrible. The Horrible. Oh, Those you poor kids. Can't put your arms around it, put your arms around this thing. Commissioner, it's it's Anthony Weiner. You know the the training of the NYPD is famous. You you guys, when under your leadership and others, have gone to actually train other police departments in handling these types of situations. Put parents' minds at ease about what goes on here in New York City. I mean, these types of scenarios must get gamed out and planned for. What what would have happened? And God forbid it ever does. What would have happened in a scenario like this with a police department like the one that you used to lead? One of the things, uh, uh, Anthony, that we attempted to do in 2014 uh, in the continuing efforts to deal with the then threat of uh, terrorism, external terrorism, ISIS in particular, that uh, during my time, we created two new units in the city, two 500-person units, all armed with long guns, heavy vests, equipment, that a 1,000 officers, in addition to our already stable emergency service unit, to try and ensure that within five minutes that we would have uh, enough officers armed with appropriate protective gear and uh, weaponry to basically go toward the shooter. The expression we use in the policing is move to the shooter to effectively you create what we call a stack. You put three or four officers together who can, in a coordinated fashion, go in toward a shooter. So that was some of the changes that in the very large NYPD we were going to bring about. We also have a school system here where we have 5,000 unarmed school police but we have very close monitoring of the school doors, et cetera, 
access and egress. So we learned a lot over the years from the Columbine tragedy many years ago. Apparently, unfortunately, uh, that it, now it seems to be shaping up, the officer in charge, the incident commander in this instance in Texas, uh, effectively, uh, all the things we learned about how to deal with this type of incident, he basically didn't uh, uh, implement them. That uh, he opted to keep those 19 officers outside of that classroom. Uh, and as this thing goes forward, we'll learn more details about what went wrong. But I would hope in New York that, uh, that we do have that capability and capacity to not have an incident like this occur in our city. Uh, Commissioner Ted Cox, uh, I find it fascinating what you said. Move towards the shooter. Uh, from my experience in that Fort Benning, they train you when you're in ambush. You run into the ambush, not away from it. Now, you spend five years in the military. And this is a basic rule, isn't it, in this kind of a situation? Well, the expectation of the public of the police, I believe the expectation of police officers who take an oath, put on that badge, is that they may be called upon to risk their lives to save the lives of others. Certainly in this circumstance, one of the things that people are, are literally aghast at, literally, are some of the comments of public safety officials in Texas. There was a lieutenant who was the public spokesperson for the uh, Department of Public Safety. And one of the interviews I saw with him, he said, well, the officers were concerned that uh, going into the building, they themselves might be shot. Yeah, I, we have that soundbite. I want to play it for you guys. I want everybody to hear what that Uvalde police chief had to say. So let's hear that Uvalde police chief. The active shooter situation, you want to stop the killing. You want to preserve life. But also, one thing that, of course, the American people need to understand is that officers are making entry into this building. Uh, they do not know where the gunman is. Uh, they are hearing gunshots. They are They are receiving gunshots. At that point... If they, if they proceeded any further, not knowing where this suspect was at, um, they could have been shot. They could have been killed. The, that comment, by the way, a correction, it's a lieutenant uh, who is the public relations spokesperson. He's the one you've seen doing the interviews at the press conferences. That every day in America, American police officers go toward the danger. They go into unknown circumstances, risking their lives. That's what's expected of them. That's what they themselves expect when they take the oath of office to protect and to serve. So that, that comment is just, uh, it, it's, I spoke coming out my ears about it. That, uh, certainly there was risk and there was danger there. Uh, uh, but at the same time, uh, that's what you sign on to do, to go to the danger, to go to, go to the sound of the guns. That's uh, absolutely correct, Commissioner. Commissioner, yesterday there was a Zoom call with 200 of the largest businesses in New York uh, and Kathy Wilde's uh, office, the partnership uh, with with the mayor, uh, Adams, and uh, with his, uh, what was he, chief of, uh, of uh, department, Corey? Corey, chief of uh, an extraordinarily capable individual. Thank God we have Corey up there as chief of the department because he's one of the people in the NYPD that knows how to deal with these problems. If they give him more authority, more power, I think you'd see a very significant change in what's going on in the city. Have you uh, listened to it? Were you on it? Uh, I was not, but I'm familiar with the news reporting on it. Well, tell us uh, us what what you think. Well, what they're trying to do is encourage the business leaders of the city to encourage their employees to come back to work. 
and particularly to take public transportation to come back to work. As we know, the traffic in the city has become even more of a nightmare because more people taking their cars. I just did, and I just sent it over to the uh, Daily News, an op-ed relative to the subway situation that hopefully run in the next uh, couple of days, an op-ed that they requested. And it is the idea that uh, uh, the subways can be fixed, they can be made safer than they are, but it's going to take more of a coordinated plan of action rather than piecemeal every time there's an incident responding to that particular incident. You need a comprehensive, widely publicized plan of action that the public understands what's going on, mirroring what we did, John, back in 1990, when the situation of crime in the subway was much worse than it is today. Back then, there were about 50 crimes a day. Now we have about six. Back then, there were 18,000 crimes a year. Now we have about 1,000. Back then, I had 22 murders in one year. Now, so far this year, we've had four. So the crime situation is arguably a lot less, but it's 30 years later. Most of the people riding the subway today weren't around in 1990 when it was really bad. So their reality is what they read on the front pages of the paper every day. If you want to get people back on those trains, you got to start basically enforcing the quality of life below ground in terms of police more active, more aggressive, in making arrests, more fair evasion initiatives. I had a former assistant deputy commissioner work for me uh, when I was most recently commissioner. Is on a midtown train earlier this week and has an individual come up to him, pull out a knife, and say, I'm going to cut your head off. This is a six foot two fellow in his late 30s, good shape himself, and this is happening on a train midtown. Uh, and fortunately, they're apparently going to make an arrest on that situation. Not an incident that was reported in the press. So, what's going on right now is a lot happening that's not being reported in the press that's creating this fear. This fear can be addressed successfully, but it's going to take a coordinated effort. And that's what the mayor is attempting to do by getting the business community involved. So, uh, Commissioner, what is, the, what is the impact on this when DAs decide they're not going, district attorneys decide they're not going to prosecute uh, fair jumpers? People jump over the turnstile or go through the, the, uh, uh, the emergency door. There is the crux of the problem in New York City at the moment, particularly in Manhattan, with the Manhattan District Attorney still not wanting to treat fair evasion as a significant enough crime worth prosecuting, particularly for repeated fair evasions. Or when we stop somebody for fair evasion, they find he's got a gun on them or that they wanted on warrants. What is missing in New York City at the moment is a willingness to punish people who continually break the law. In the post state, they're reporting on this woman that basically has almost 200 arrests for shoplifting. And every one of those arrests, she basically is let out to go out and shoplift again. That she hits a, I think, a right age you're talking about, that she basically goes in six times a day. Well, one shame on right age for a final. Uh, you know what this 65-year-old woman looks like? Stop her at the door instead of letting her in and stealing six times a day. No, the district attorneys, this is where I think Mayor Adams can basically bring them in and read the riot act to them in the sense of... Uh, Take I, I away the, the mayor, police officers that guard him. Well, Are you allowed to do John, that, uh, 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 Commissioner? Oh, certainly, because they were assigned to the uh, district attorney's office. But, no, I think the mayor is, uh, with the high visibility that he has on this issue, is basically too visible in the sense that it allows these district attorneys to get off the radar. Nobody sees them. Nobody hears anything from them relative to these issues. So the mayor is taking all this 
responsibilities on his shoulders. I, I jokingly refer to that statue outside the Rockefeller Center of that guy trying to hold up the world. Well, the mayor right now is trying to hold up New York City by himself. And he's not being helped by the legislation in Albany, by the city council, or these DAs. Get those DAs into a room and effectively get them on board or, pu or publicly shame them for their failure to support him and the NYPD. We got a, we got the country, the world's greatest police department, and they have capabilities well beyond what they've been uh, exhibiting. But the idea is they're not doing more because they know they're not going to be supported. If you support them, they can do a lot more. Well, Police Commissioner uh, Bill Bratton, uh, you did a great job while you were serving, and uh, you always worry about the uh, all New Yorkers and all the American people. Thank you, and. Have a, a great Memorial Day weekend and uh, pray for our uh, soldiers in the field. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. Keep up the fight. Thank you. We will.